everyone. Welcome to ARG Presents, a gaming show that won't leave you bored. My name is Amigo Aaron, joined by a man who... What, you didn't like that one, the Brent? Keep rolling, keep rolling. Let's just give it up for the smirking man, the Brent. Didn't like that intro, eh? No, I did. You I did. did leave me I, bored, my friend. I was going to say, I don't know if we can. Uh, I don't know if we can live up to that hype, though. Oh, we can and we will, <laughs> because, ladies and gentlemen, I've never been so excited for a, for a for an event here on ARG Presents. We spun the wheel. We made the deal last week, and this week, Brent, we're going to be playing board games. Bam based on video games. Now, Aaron, who, video game? who submitted that incredibly stupid piece? Me, Amigo <laughs> Aaron. This is my idea. That's why I'm so excited about it. You know it's gold if I put it down. Now, the Brit, what did you think about this when it rolled up? I thought you were excited about this. I was. I was. Yeah. I, I love video games. I love yeah. board games. How could this possibly go wrong? I agree. And we actually, ironically, got to get together to... to uh, play these games which made it more fun but we're not together to do the show because yeah we and we almost played them correctly that's yeah. what's fun you know before we get into our games proper but i want to talk about uh board games based on video games just across the board no pun intended i've hopped over to boardgamegeek.com that's the official uh board game website i know you use this uh place all the time the brand we yes absolutely and I looked up, I thought, hey, I wonder how many, I thought, I'll get, give a good round number of how many board games that were based on video games. There were so many, I just stopped. It was like <laughs> probably hundreds and hundreds of these things. I never would have guessed that there were this many. So clearly, this has been an avenue of, of uh, a drawing from, uh, drawing inspiration from for quite a while. Uh, but I did get a, a just a quick list of just stuff from Milton Bradley, which is both the games we're playing today are from them. Yes. And I'm not going to go over all these because we'd be here for a month, but I just want to run through some of these and, and see uh, if you uh, were stunned that these got made into games, right? Uh, I'm going to start off with the game Blueprint, uh, which was stunning to me that that was a board game. That's not exactly a real popular uh, video game. That's not a very popular IP, but that, to me, that is one of the... Games that would make the most sense yeah. in board game form. I'm going to buzz through these real quick, but that one I thought was funny. You got Centipede, Defender, A Slew of Donkey Kongs, Double Dragon, Dr. Mario, Dragon Buster, Dragon Quest, Dragon's Lair, Frogger. Dragon's Lair, by the way, we got to get that one. That looks awesome. Uh, <laughs> G- Ghosts and Goblins. Uh, of course, plenty of Mortal Kombat's, Joust, Jungle Hunt. A bunch of Legend of Zelda games. These now you're going to get some weirdness here. You got Load Runner. That would be an unusual one. Uh, of course, tons of Pac-Man and Mrs. Pac-Man. Pitfall. Also, yep. here's one that we've got to get, Brent. Puyan got a got a board game, video <laughs> game. Now, Q-ver- see, that's one that that one that's one that just makes no sense. Oh, yeah. That makes no sense. Of course, like I mentioned, Cuber, you got to have some Sonic games in there, Space Invaders. There's a ton of Street Fighter games and Mario games. There's tons and tons of Mario and Super Mario games. Uh, it's number one with a bullet. Uh, then you also got, here's one that you was I found surprising, Tetris as a, as a video game. Oh, that's game, not surprising. I've actually game. played that. Here's, okay, how about these two? Here's three in a row here. You tell me how stunned you are when I mention that Turtles got a, a board game. Or Tutankham, or the big surprise to me, Turbo. Turbo got No, Turbo's not surprising at all. There's tons and tons of racing board games. Really? Yes. Yeah. And some of them are actually pretty good. And then round, I don't know about Turbo specifically, but... Rounding out uh, my list here, uh, Wizard of War, Zaxxon, and several Where in the World are Carmen Sandiego's. So a pretty... Those and that, those are just from Milton Bradley, by the way. I want to make that abundantly clear. Uh, there are tons and tons more, and those were also games released between seventy five and ninety five. Yeah. So that's <laughs> there were hundreds of these things. Now, out of all those that list, plus uh, anything released after that, have you played uh, anything aside from what we've done today, or that were based on video games? I, I've played Tetris. Yeah, oh, you have. Um, yeah. What yeah. was that like? 
well, I, I've actually played the modern version, uh, which is it's okay. It, it's a it's a puzzle game. I'm stunned. It looked it looked lame to be honest with you. I I did have a look at that. It didn't look that good. Have you have you have you played any of the other ones? Um, I don't think so. Uh, my board gaming is more, and this is really true for yourself as well. Uh, most of the games you listed off there are all from Milton Bradley, right? They're every one of them, yes. Yeah, and, and Milton Bradley, those are all, you know, like you said, from the uh, late 70s into the 80s. So they're American-style board games, which they have their charm, uh, but I typically play more uh, Euro-style games. American games are more uh, luck-driven or dice-driven. You're, where... you're a board game snob is what you're saying. No, no, no. no yeah. I, I will play just about anything. But I prefer games that have uh, a strategy component more than a luck component. And, it, I mean, there's no denying most American-based games have a luck component, such as a dice roll or a spinner or something like that. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I've heard that echoed by some of your other gaming buddies. Listen, now, I like the whole I, luck I, in there. I, I did take a look at several of the Milton Bradley 80s uh, board games. Uh, some you didn't mention that I looked yeah. at was Zaxxon. Yeah. And um, it's it looks bad. Uh I know we own Zaxxon. We yeah, didn't I play it. The, I looked at the cover of that, and it didn't. It, I don't. I'm not sure we own that after all. I'm not one hundred percent sure. No, we do because there are two covers. When the covers that were released in the European market mainly had pictures of the game on the box, the uh, United States releases or the North American releases mostly had drawn paintings you know stylizations of the game uh on the cover so we in a rare rare twist the american versions of the box arts are better in every case mm. it's pretty amazing the one exception to that is uh pac-man which both had just pictures of the board game inside mm, i see you know you could tell the appeal of this sort of thing i was sitting here pondering this where you were going on so pretend it's 1983, 1984, the early to mid 80s. Uh, you're not going to be out to and getting a game like, let's say, uh, uh, Turbo is not something you're going to probably own. Now, there were ports of Turbo, but if you were a fan of a game like Turbo or Tutankham or Turtles, any of those games, Jungle Hunt, having a board game with all the accoutrement art from the arcade. And then you open the board up, and it's sort of like playing the game. It does sort of give you the same sort of fun that you would have in a video game. And you can see why this would be a great thing to license back in the day, because you're giving people an avenue to play games that they normally couldn't play, sort of. You know what I mean? But well, it, it's as said on the front of the Pac-Man box, which we uh, will look into more in depth here in a second. This was the family way of playing these games. It took a single-player experience from the arcade and tried to make it a multiplayer family experience on the kitchen table. So I, I don't know if I necessarily agree with you, uh, but from a family perspective, to getting everyone around the table, I think it, it did that pretty well. Listen, I'm looking at this from a kid's perspective. It's a lot like the little mini arcade games. They look like the arcade... They had the stickers and marquees from the arcade, but they didn't play like the arcade. They played like butt, much like these board games. But they had all the things that reminded you of the game, and there was enough there where you could be like, oh, I'm sort of reliving the arcade experience here in my in my room. You can't tell me that a little kid who's a big arcade fan goes to the store and sees Zaxxon or Pac-Man or any of the other games and is like getting a mom to buy these. You think the parents want to go in the other room and have a rousing game of Tetris or Turtles. They don't. The kids, the one getting that stuff done, and they, they knew what kids wanted. Kids wanted video games, and they couldn't own them at home. That's what I think. 
I got I, I know how it goes. wholeheartedly disagree. There are plenty of families that play board games together, myself included. We play board games and we enjoy them. But I'm just saying, most people when they're shopping aren't thinking to themselves, "What board game would my kid want?" They, that's why they had all the kids stuff that they wanted. That's what you got here. Kids liked arcade games in the early '80s, brother. Now, what does surprise me is the how these things have actually flourished in modern time because you can play all these games now. You don't have to worry about it. Uh, and there, but there are tons of there are still games being made uh, on stuff like on like the Doom franchise or or like uh, my kid has uh, Monopoly Fortnite and we've played it a bunch of times and also uh, Mario Monopoly and we don't even he didn't even play Fortnite but he likes the Monopoly game because he's heard of Fortnite and he was kind of into it at the time so it these things are still around it's actually quite fascinating that they've made that they've kept going all this time don't you think. Well, I, they're even still remaking classic video games in board game four. Uh, again, I'll go into this a little bit more, but Pac-Man released a new board game in 2019. So there no, you go. No kidding. Well, that, that sounds like a good avenue to travel down as we get into it. So just to set this up, uh, like I mentioned, me and the Brent actually got together and played. In fact, we streamed. Us playing the two games that we chose this week. Now, luckily, we own these games, uh, but and we don't. We one of these we never played. One we hadn't played for God. I would. How long would it have been? Several decades. It's been oh, it's been more than several. Probably like four decades or so. Well, no, since we played uh, them, maybe that, three and a half that, decades. That would make me four. Well, so. close <laughs> enough. I, I I think that's probably about right. You know, you haven't matured since then, so we're gonna let Brent kick off the dance this week. Brent, what do you got? I, of course, as as mentioned, picked uh, the Pac-Man game. That was the official release name for the board game. Yeah. Pac-Man game. There's the game. Pac-Man. Look at that. Just like the arcade. Very cool. <laughs> I've always liked that sort of art for Pac-Man. And the ghosts, they seem sort of annoyed or scared, but no, they're not freaked out scared. By the way, there's an extra ghost there. I reason. like how he's football carrying one of the ghosts. <laughs> he's going for the goal, man. <laughs> so I'm not going to go much into the source material. Everyone knows what Pac-Man is. Mm-hmm. You run around a maze. You eat some dots. Uh, you can get a energy capsule, a power pellet, if you will. And then the ghosts that were chasing you turn blue, and you get to eat the ghost. You know, real quick. Uh-huh. Gonna, I've got it drawn up because, you know, I do want to get into the video games a little bit. Come on. It's Pac-Man. It's an iconic video game uh, that was uh, you know, worked on by some big-time big, big time players. Toru Iwatani. I think he just, did he just pass away, if I'm not mistaken? Uh, worked on this one. This was a huge game uh, from back in the day uh, developed by Namco. and came out in 1980, so this, ga- this board game was just a few years past. You got to think of how hot. That's something I want to get into is how hot Pac-Man was at the time. I mean, yes, everybody's heard that, like, Pac-Man, what a big deal, right? Well, I mean, if you lived through it, like, it was off the charts. It was everywhere. It was way bigger than, like, Tomb Raider or Doom or anything else. I mean, this thing was, like, a huge event that was going on, and it was merchandised to beat the band. When Brent was a little, little little Brent, he was a Pac-Man nut job. He had Pac-Man bed sheets. He had Pac-Man uh, drapes. He had a Pac-Man trash can. You had Pac-Man everything, carpets and everything. You loved that I had a that Pac-Man guy. food tray. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot about that thing. It was cool, too. It had the whole board on it. Yep. <laughs> it was awesome. And so uh, it, I, you can imagine how non-surprised when they brought the Pac-Man board game over for you, Brent. So go on. <laughs> I, not to interrupt, but yeah, Pac-Man, huge deal. <clears throat> Yeah, obviously Pac-Man was a big part of my childhood. Uh, Miss Pac-Man was actually the pinnacle. Uh, but like Aaron said, Pac-Man was commercialized out the wazoo. So making a board game of it, especially when you've got all these other board games you're making, uh, no-brainer. This was a 1982 release by Milton Bradley. And as was common back in the day, no one gets credited for designing board games uh back in this era. So we don't know who actually came up with this concept of how the board game would work. And that's, that's very unfortunate. That's very unfortunate. So Pac-Man has your, a board laid out in front of you. 
with a facsimile of the maze that is in the Pac-Man game. Uh, not the same layout, but it has, you know, blue walls that you can't go through and it has tunnels and it's set up as a four player game. And because of that, each quadrant of the map is identical. It's just rotated and that's how you get your, your full map. The, uh, gimmick for this game is all of the dots are marbles and the Pac-Man you control being it blue, uh, yellow, green, or red, has a hole at the bottom of the figure. And you press it down on the marbles, and it pops inside of the Pac-Man, and it, it looks like he eats it. Because when you pick the Pac-Man up, his mouth actually will open a little bit, sort of mimicking the waka-waka-waka of a Pac-Man. It's genius. That's genius. It, it's, it's very clever. Yeah. And then at the end of your turn, uh, when, you're, when your Pac-Man is full of marbles, you dump him out into a little tub, uh, and that will get you ready for the next round. So just real quick, I don't, I'm not going to go into a big rules blurge over this, because I don't think that this is what, the, that what this is about. But you roll two dice, and you control your Pac-Man, and a ghost. There are two ghosts on the play field. So, you choose which die will move the Pac-Man and which die will move the ghost. And the objective of the game is to eat more uh, pellets than your opponent, or opponents, if you're playing with more than one player. When you move your Pac-Man, you can't reverse course. Which means you can't double back on yourself. That's sort of the uh, main mechanic of the game. So you have to traverse the maze. You can't double back on yourself. The ghost, of course, can't go through walls or anything non-Pac-Man-like. And if they touch a Pac-Man, they have to go back to their home starting space and they get two marbles from the person that they ate. Uh, on the interior of the maze are four yellow marbles, which signify the power pellets. When you eat those, you can, instead of running from the ghost, you can actually eat the ghost. And when you eat the ghost, the power pellet comes out of your tray and goes back onto the board. So, you play this game. It's a dice-based game. You roll, you move around. Uh, the gimmick of the game, of course, is that you, you can chomp down on the marbles and it looks like you're eating them. Pretty fun stuff. Yeah. When you go through any of the tunnels, you come out any of the other tunnels. You don't actually just go across the board. You can go from any of the quadrants. And the ghost can't go through the tunnels. The only last rule that really matters is you can't walk through another Pac-Man or a ghost. And the ghost can't walk through another Pac-Man or a ghost. If it runs into a Pac-Man, it eats them. The concept of this game is very basic. But it's kind of fun. Uh, it's that stupid kind of fun that you can be doing while you're doing something else, while you're watching television, while you're having a few drinks. It's not a brain burner. Even if you strategize, you know, every turn, there's not enough pro there's not enough choices to bog down the process. So you roll a die, you have two options. You either move your Pac-Man that X amount of spaces, or you move your Ghost X amount of spaces, and you have to do both. It's a good game for younger children. You know, if you're looking in that, I think I think a seven year old could play this, don't you, Aaron? Absolutely, yeah. And you know, for the upper ends, you're going to get bored of this by say age ten or twelve. Or I'm not not bored. Bored is the wrong word. You're not going to find this challenging. Uh, by the age of 10 or 12 or so, especially if you're playing other games. Um, but it's they're still fun to be had. The mechanics of the game, the physical mechanics, as in eating the marbles, stays relatively fun from beginning to end. You know, it, if you played this five, six times in a row, you're probably just going to end up picking up the marbles because the, the, the novelty is going to wear off. But if you play this, you know, once a year, 
something like that, the novelty is always going to be there, which is a nice selling touch. Now, does the game have flaws? Yes, it has several flaws. The marbles are only attached, quote unquote, to the board with a small hole. Uh, If you go to eat the marble with your Pac-Man and you're a little bit off, you can shoot that marble across the board, which has a high probability of hitting another marble, which just starts this cascade reaction, and then you're picking marbles up off the floor. Uh, The other mechanically bad thing about it is the ghosts are hollow. So you can put it onto a marble without... But you actually go over top of the marble. That's good. But if you're not thinking and you slide the ghost when you're ready to move them, you'll take that marble that's underneath it with you, and that can be disastrous. So mechanically, those are a few things that are wrong with it. Uh, Gameplay-wise, it's very low choice. It's very, uh, you know, you can get screwed by the dice. If you roll low enough times, you're going to lose no matter how bad the other player is. Because if you, yeah, if you're rolling, you know, fours, fives, and sixes, and your opponent's rolling one, twos, or threes, not only can they not uh, get to the more pellets to pick up to get more score, but you also can't position the ghost to do anything, which is actually a, a fairly significant portion of the game. So, am I going to break this out at my next board game night? No. No. Never. Am I going to enjoy this as a novelty on, like, uh, at, like, a computer club or at a convention or something like that? Absolutely. Absolutely. For that kind of setting, or, you know, you're just completely screwing around, or you're trying to entertain a small child, this is really good. Aaron, what were your thoughts on it? As a small child, I was entertained. <laughs> Listen, I think this game's great. Whoever designed this, like, and designed this Pac-Man, I hope that guy got paid. Hope now, do you mean the money bank? Because now, are you talking about the game aspect no, or the mechanical aspect? I'm talking about the the. Well, I mean both to a certain degree. But listen, much like I mentioned in the open, when I go to buy a Pac-Man board game, I want something just like the arcade, but in board game form. And brother. That's what you got here. You've got Pac-Man. You no, know, the look of it. That is 99% of it, Brent. The, the okay. packaging has the Pac-Man logo on it. And it and unlike some other packages, this shows you the board because they were you could tell Milton Bradley were like, we got a winner here. We're proud of what we did. This this isn't like they weren't designing a, a the board game, you know, for like a low two, third or fourth tier game, you know. They're, this, they knew, like, this. we got one shot at this. We're going to make a boatload of money if we get this right. So they probably put their best dudes on this, and they hit a home run, a home run when it comes to this game. The mechanical aspects with the Pac-Man is brilliant. The fact that they designed it for four players is great. That's yeah. perfect. Uh, and this would probably be a lot more fun with more players. They, the 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 fact that it, you've got the maze, you got the dots, you got the energizers and the ghosts and the Pac-Man, you got everything you need to have a perfect rendition of the arcade, right? I mean, and it emulates the arcade in almost every way. This is and, and if I was a kid, I would be like, oh yeah, like my kid, I will probably get me and he will probably play this because he'll love it. It's right up his alley because it looks just like the the, vid, the video game now. Does it play? Is it as fun as the video game? I'm not the biggest fan of the original Pac-Man, to be honest with you. But I thought it played pretty well. It was pretty fun. Yeah, you're right. I mean, is this the best of German board game engineering? No. All right? This is not deep. It's not Puerto Rico or Power Grid. But what it is, is simple fun that any family can figure out in about two seconds and sit down and play. I doubt most people play by the rules. That's because that's the way these sorts of games go. They probably just, you know, you get your kid out there with the Pac-Man, let him eat some dots, have a good time, roll a dice. It's a lot of fun. I think it's a very cleverly done. And I give this the enthusiastic thumbs up. I had a good time playing it, even though I got stomped. 
Now, but, a few things worth noting here, Aaron. Yes. Uh, as you see in the footage, our ghosts are red. Yeah, I see that, yeah. If you look, if you squint really hard on the box art, you can see that the the ghost on the box art is yellow. Ghost oh, yeah, actually came... Yeah, yeah. The, the ghost could actually be any combination of red, green, blue, and yellow. Same color as the Pac-Man. Uh, you didn't necessarily get pairs of colors either. Uh, sometimes some people might get a green or a yellow. Completely random. You can't tell what you're getting from the outside of the package. I would imagine that they are just made from the same plastic as you know the the Pac-Man pieces. So it's completely random what ghosts are in the box. Uh, I tried to see if any of the ghosts were rarer than the other ghost, and I didn't see anything that, that stated that. But while looking at that, I found the European version of this game. Same basic game. However, the board is different, and the uh, 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 graphics are different. If you see that on the footage uh, that's playing right now, the middle square has up, down, left, right arrows showing which way the ghost will exit. Yeah. And directly around that square are dots. That is not how the European board is set up. The European board, the ghost exit diagonally, and the square around it is non-existent. They're just, it's just no dots. Huh. Something else, uh, the dots on the American version are yellow, and in the European version, I believe they are blue. Don't and the energizers. The reason, <clears throat> no, no, no. The dots printed on the board. Oh, I see. And I believe the reason why they, they did this um, is in the instruction manual, it tells you over and over and over in big, bold text not to count the yellow dots. Uh, because the yellow dots that are printed on the board are just there to help the aesthetics of the game. And, but also, there are yellow marbles that signify an energy pellet. So, it actually gets a little confusing on if you should count the energy pellet, which you should, as a dot, because the instruction manual keeps hammering home this thing that you don't count the yellow dots. I... For our group, I'm not one that usually reads the rules. I'm usually the guy that is listening to and interpreting the rules. Um, so I'm pretty good at this kind of crap. And I found it confusing just the way it was written. The game, the the uh, uh, rules in the game are not difficult, but it can be confusing the way they have it written out. So just something to note there. So yeah, different colored ghosts, uh, depending on what version you buy. Also, they have... Not glass marbles. They have plastic marbles, from what I could tell. And in the European version, different board layout. Uh, kind of crazy how much they changed it. I, I don't know the release date of the European version. I couldn't find it. I would imagine it was fairly, sh fairly shortly after the uh, American release. But there are some significant differences between the two. Not gameplay-wise, but appearance-wise. Overall... I mean, this is this game's okay. It's okay. I, I I I would never say, hey, go out and buy this. But also, the fun of the game is munching the dots, which you're not going to get from like a tabletop simulator experience if you were to play this digitally. So, I, I don't know. Do I think you should play this game if it's sitting out on a table somewhere and you've never played it? Yes. But I can't recommend buying it because it usually sells for upwards of $80. And I can't recommend playing it digitally because the fun is in the physical mechanics, not the gameplay. So it's a weird kind of balance. Would you agree with that, Aaron? Well, I think you could get it. I've seen it go for between 40 and 50 bucks more often. But of course, the when you the condition is going to be the uh, what you're looking at. Absolutely. But the, you could get it you could get a, a complete in box for under for under 50 bucks if you nose around. It's still that's pretty pricey. 
I think this is a great game. If you're a fan of Pac-Man, you should get it. Uh, it'd be a lot of fun to have. It's fun to play, I think. It'd be fun to have uh, multiple people play it. I had more fun playing it than you, I think. I thought it was neat. I enjoyed it more now than I did when we were kids. And <laughs> I think the as, there's a tactile pleasure in going yes. and eating those dots. Uh, and, uh, you know, and you got to do the sound effects, the whole nine yards. That's what makes it fun. And but one last it. thing I want to mention is there is a, uh, a 2019 release of Pac-Man uh, that has the actual board layout of the arcade screen. And the way it works is it has pegs for the dots. And the pegs actually go through a fairly thick board. And when you, uh, when you're Pac-Man and you move your piece around, you squish the the dots into the board. It's a very neat concept. Uh, it kind of plays the same way. You're trying to eat all the dots. Um, it has a few scoring mechanics that's kind of neat. Instead of rolling dice, you roll dice for your Pac-Man movement, but you draw cards for the ghost movement, and each ghost has a different value, uh, which allows them to move a different amount of steps. It looked very interesting. It's something you can buy off the shelf at like a Target or online through an Amazon. Here's the crazy thing, Aaron. Only 20 bucks. Only 20 bucks. So, you know, I, I, I don't know. I might try to check it out. Let me ask you. In the Pac-Man yeah. video game, does Pac-Man eat little orbs or does he eat little, like, spikes? What's he eat? Neither. He eats circles. Listen. I don't. I don't like the idea of Pac-Man going over pegs. That's this is the way they did it right here. They got it right here. It's the way you do it. <laughs> Unless you bump the board and everything falls apart. Listen, that's a lesson learned. Don't bump the board. Don't be a geek. Figure it out, right? So that was that was Pac-Man the board game. No, not Pac-Man the board game. I'm it sorry. was Pac-Man game. Man, you're very sensitive about that. To yes. Brent. Oh, fair enough. So. We mentioned that we'd played that one uh, before, back when we were, I mean, way back. This is one we never played. I'm not even sure where I got this, but the, our choices this week were Pac-Man and bam, here it is. It's Berserk. Berserk. Look at that, Brent. Now, you'll notice the board, the art on this. There's no, you don't see the board game at all. You don't see anything on the front here. It's just a big guy in a Paul Revere and a Raiders vest and a Destro haircut, like and and rip chisel a jack, and he's getting ready to pummel a geek. But this one, if you look, unlike Pac-Man, if you turn this one over, you get this. They actually have the board on the back. This is sort of unusual. The Brent full color back with yeah. all kind of additional text on it. Uh, it's quite nice, isn't it? It looks good. They actually put more money into Berserk the box than they did Pac-Man the box. Because the back of the uh, Pac-Man box is just white. It's just no, white, yeah. No graphics at all. So, before we get into the board game, because Berserk, not as well known as uh, as Pac-Man. It's still pretty well known, but I, I thought I'd get into it. Uh, Berserk was an arcade game released in 1980 uh, and was published by Stern Electronics. It's still around. They're making pinball machines. They were making pinball machines. For, they've been making them forever. But they also made a ton of uh, arcade machines back in the day. Uh, this thing was put together uh, uh, by a uh, uh, by a fellow who actually was there to program pinball machines, ironically. <laughs> and so they they one day they asked him, "Hey, do you think you could do you think you could do a video game?" And he'd been pondering this for a while, right? And so he had a nightmare about these robots chasing a guy, and so that's where he got the idea uh, to to make Berserk. Uh, which I think it's kind of neat. Uh, the uh, uh, the game was also famous for having an awesome audio board in it where the robots would badmouth you. It had 16 uh, stored words. The robots would say such famous sentences as intruder alert, intruder alert, destroy the humanoid, chicken, fight like a robot, coin detected in pocket, one of my personal favorites. Yeah. I love that one. And so... Uh, that that is the basis of the game. Now, what is the game? Well, as Alan McNeil thought in his nightmare, uh, this is a game where you are just a guy and you're running through a maze that's full of killer robots, and all they want to do is shoot you or run into you. 
and if you linger too long, a bouncing ball with a happy face named Evil Auto comes out. Evil Auto is indestructible. He comes out after you and eventually catches you if you don't exit through one of the exit doors in the maze. That's the game. You just shoot robots. There's different colored robots, and the robots, different colors, will have different levels of intelligence, different levels of skill and speed. So some robots are harder than others. One of the great parts about the game was the fact that the robots were also idiots. They would shoot each other gleefully. They'd run into walls. If you touch walls, you die. They'd also run into each other. So it was always a good time to like basically ram the robots into each other and laugh. But it was a difficult game. Uh, Alan designed this thing, Brent, to give you three minutes of gameplay. That's the way they did it back in the day. So if you could go past three minutes, you've exceeded what he figured you'd be able to survive in his game. I should mention that Alan also was responsible for the sequel, Frenzy, uh, from 82. He also did, get this, Brent, he was the guy that did Boot Hill, which was a pretty fun game from way back in the 70s. He did a few other games for uh, back in the day. Kind of neat. Uh, and Berserk was a... I would just say Berserk. Are you, are you surprised that it got a board game? Or was it a big enough deal to merit, in your mind, getting its own board game? Yes and yes. Yeah. It I, was definitely a big enough game to get a board game, considering some of the other things that got board games. Yeah. And, yeah. When you look at the list, it does change your perspective. And I'm I'm incredibly surprised that they were able to make a board game out of the concept. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, the board game... It's funny that if you look at the board I showed, the board game cover I showed on the stream here is different than the one I've got here on the screen, which actually is showing the the uh, uh, the actual gameplay. I'm assuming that this could be one of the ones from Europe where they probably it did is. that. That is the European what, what release board. Why do you think they did it that way? Which one? Which cover do you find more uh, appealing? The, oh, the U.S. cover is yeah. way more awesome. Yeah, we got lucky on that, didn't we? Uh, so. Flash there are other changes, but we'll talk about that later. Yeah, because you'll probably know more about this than I do. So, the board game proper here, as I zoom to it here. So, this the board game for Berserk came out in 83, which is not too long after the game itself. Much like Pac-Man, there was a short turnaround time. I'm guessing you had to strike while the iron was hot, the Brent. Get these Absolutely. things out. Uh, this is a two-player game. Two players. Uh, and you have to say it's for ages seven and up. Uh, I looked this up on Board Game Geek to see what they thought of it. This was rated by the people for Board Game Geek 4.9 out of 10. Could have been worse. I saw a lot of worse ones than that. I'll put it that way. And I love this. Out of all the board games ever released that are listed on Board Game Geek, this one's ranked 19,853rd. So, <laughs> listen, we're God only knows how many board games have ever been released. Not too bad. So, what are you doing in this game? Well, the board itself... It's actually quite, it's quite colorful on the borders. It almost looks like a, a bezel, doesn't it, Brent? It yeah, it absolutely. And uh, the uh, the uh, arcade logo was on the side. And then around those edges of the border, these kind of oranges and, and yellow streaks. And on either side, there's like a thing with lightning bolts coming out of it. It looks pretty cool. And at the very bottom, you see the Destro-looking guy. That's actually Evil Auto. Uh, and it, he, clearly, they uh, they fleshed him out quite a bit uh, from the arcade machine, where he's just a circle with a he's basically a happy face. In in the board game, he's like I said, he's he's wearing like a, a colonial outfit with a, and he's got a metal head. But I will say they do have him smiling, a big old smile, which I'm sure was a a nod to the video. Nod game. to the game, yeah. So this game takes place in rounds. I believe it was six rounds. And each round, you take turns. One guy takes turn playing the, the robots and, and Evil Auto, and one guy is the uh, humanoid that's running through the maze. Uh, the, ma the, the actual board itself, ignoring the, the border, is a, is a series of squares. Uh, it looks like there's 10 squares long. It, it's, 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 was it, 10 by 12, something like that, Brent? And, Sounds right. And, you, and it's a grid. And inside the grid, you'll see some solid orange lines. These are your walls, okay? So it's pretty simple. And then right in the middle of it, you see a square with a lightning bolt in it. That's basically like a pillar. Uh, you're on the board, there are little markers to tell you where to put your robots. So they're predetermined starting positions. Now, I will say, unlike the arcade game, where every time you went to a door, the entire maze changed. 
In this game, the maze is always the same, and the robots always start on the same area. The humanoid starts in the same spot. He's also got a spot on the board. All this stuff are represented by little game pieces that are basically uh, rectangles that stand up with a sticker on both sides. I think the stickers look nice. Uh, they they are attractive. We got lucky, uh, the Brent. Uh, ours look not worn. They look pretty much factory new. Yeah, they uh, look real good. Happy. Very, very little peeling. So here's the way the game works. Your object as the humanoid is to kill all the robots and then escape the maze. All right. Now, you don't have to kill all the robots to escape the maze, but you'll get more points if you do. Once you've shot two of the robots, Evil Auto can come out. Evil Auto is more powerful. We'll get to why here in a second. So the way things work is you've got one die. Uh, if you're the humanoid, you roll the die, and you can move that many squares. Uh, you cannot move diagonally. You can move any other way you want. The robots, when they roll the die, they have to move in, in pairs. Uh, they, have, they, have, they have to move with more than one robot. One If you roll a six, one robot can't move six. He can move five. Then you can move another robot one, or you can move two or three robots, two or three. Uh, you, but you have to move more than one guy. That gives the humanoid the edge, theoretically, because he can, in theory, get further if he got a better dice roll. Uh, when Evil Auto comes out after you've killed two robots, he can move. He In the first round, he is the least powerful. He can move uh, when you roll the dice, but you have to move two of the other robots. Is it two in the first round or three, Brent, in the first round? Uh, I think after was, after auto is activated, you have to move him and two robots. Right, two every round. Now every dice roll. Right now, as the game rolls into the second and third round, auto only has to share his movement with one robot, and then in the last round, he doesn't share it with any robots. He can just move. Auto can go diagonally. He can go in any direction. But once you pick a direction, you have to use all your uh, movement in that direction. So he's. Being able to move diagonally helps, but you it doesn't uh, it's not necessarily the best because he has to go all the way in that direction. The humanoid can get beside any of the th any of the robots, and when he gets beside them, he can kill them. And one of the neat aspects of the game is the is the humanoid piece. Uh, it has a little like lever on the back, and when you push down, his little arms shoot up with two guns, and you can sort of flip over the robots, which Britt took great glee and delight in doing over and over and knocking my robots halfway across the board with the guy's guns. They didn't have to do it this way, but they but they they took the extra time and the extra design to do it. And it actually I mean clearly you enjoyed it, Brent. You did it tons to me. Absolutely. <laughs> and it's funny, even on the sides of the of the pieces that come out, you actually can see the gun sticker. They actually put stickers on his on the sides of his arms. Is this an innovative, genius move? No, but it is fun. It makes the game fun, and it gives you a way to whack the robots, which is pretty cool. So, uh, when as a round ends, when you've killed all the robots, uh, or when you've lost, uh, when you've gotten all, all your lives are gone, or when you escape, you start the game with three lives, and you these three lives are to last you through every round. So they're not per round, it's for the whole game. There are three little uh, tokens on the side of the board that you use to uh, to you know, show how many lives you've got left. Uh, you go, you each play the good guys and the bad guy around. That's round one. Then you move to the round two. And then the same thing. Then you go to round three. And really, the only thing that changes in those rounds is Evil Auto's movement. Once you get to the third round, you add up your points and you see who won. Uh, and that's the ball game, Brid. Did I leave anything out? Uh, no, that's pretty much it. Um, I think the only thing you might have forgot is for a robot to kill the human, he has to land on him. For yes. the human to kill a robot, he just has to be beside him. And for Otto, uh, be beside him up, down, left, right, not diagonal. And for Otto to kill the human, he has to be beside him in any direction, up, down, left, right, or the diagonals. You know... Uh, where I enjoyed Pac-Man, the aesthetic of Pac-Man, I thought the gameplay mirrored the the uh, the uh, the video game quite a bit. Berserk, it, it, you mentioned this when we started. It didn't seem like the easiest game to pull off as a board game, but they actually fleshed it out pretty well. And actually, I think in terms of uh, of a board game playing, 
I found this one a lot more interesting and more strategic because you it's when when you're playing as the as the robots, you want to sort of close in on the hero, but you don't want to get too close because he can go through if he gets a good roll and, and blow away two or two or even three robots in one round. Uh, and so you, you part of the strategy is how close do I want to get? Then is also how how do I implement evil auto? Uh, when he comes out on the board, the the uh, the mood shifts and the power shifts to the robots as opposed to the player. Early on, the players got the advantage because the robots are aren't real fast. They're 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 uh, uh, you have to move in tandem, so the player can come up with them a lot quicker. I like the strategy element. Now, listen, this isn't like 3D chess here, but I think it's interesting, and I I like what they did here, and I think they captured the spirit of the of the uh, video game fairly well now there are things i would like to see done different i think it'd be a lot cooler if the maze shifted which would be an easy thing to do you could have just had uh you know what about seven or eight straight pieces that let and and then have them shift per round that would have been a lot of fun i mean i don't think that's a deal breaker but i think that would have made it a little bit more interesting uh but overall i enjoyed this one uh probably as a game i enjoyed this more than pac-man what did you think to brent yeah, a, a modular wall system would have been nice. Yeah. Uh, and I think they could have done it fairly by saying, by keeping the robots have to start where they start. I think that's fine. And then the board is actually split into two halves. Uh, after there's only two robots left, if the human passes over the center of the board, he can't go back. So kind of in a way... One side of the board is the human side, and the other side of the board is Otto's side. That didn't come into play that much, though. I mean, Royal, maybe only once or twice. It didn't. It didn't. But it would be kind of neat if you had modular walls, which could have just been sticks of wood. Right. The the player has, you know, uh, six or seven wall pieces to set up his side of the board, and then whoever's playing Otto has six or seven wall pieces to set up his side of the board. With obvious rules, you can't trap in a robot and crap like that. I think that would have been neat, but I think that would have been uh, kind of beyond their target audience since mm-hmm. uh, they were aiming for that seven-year-old minimum to buy-in. Uh, an alternative, as mentioned in chat, they could have had the reverse side of the board have been a different maze, oh. which would have been nice. Yeah, that, of course, that would that, we had to pay more. But well, that, yeah, that, but that's I mean, a good printing, idea. Costs, printing costs don't or not much. Yeah, because you uh, clear the board every time anyway, so that would have been a good idea. You can yeah. actually homebrew that if you wanted to. So, uh, but as a game, this is so far superior to Pac-Man, it's mind-blowing. Yeah. You still have the randomness of the dice, and I, I think you might be even able to solve that by having uh, cards numbered one through six that you play, and when you get down to so many cards, you would reshuffle, maybe, you know, draw three or four into your hand at a time to kind of cut down on that randomness. Uh, I mean, overall, I think that's going... When you start talking about that kind of stuff, I think you're trying to fix more of the game than the game really has to be fixed. As it is, though, way more strategy than Pac-Man. I felt like I had control. Uh, The evil player has a ton of power in this. He is definitely more apt to win than the good guy, which fits the game. Uh, like yeah. you said, three minutes is an average game. Yeah, I think three minutes is an average game, uh, an average lifespan of this guy. Uh, yeah. Usually, <laughs> usually the bad guy can get you killed in you know four or five rounds. It's it's kind of amazing, but there's strategy in it. I, I like the idea of the shifting difficulties where Auto can be more of a, a killer and doesn't have to share his moves. That progression in the game is very nice. The uh, physical mechanic, throwing up the guns, awesome. It's a little tweak that didn't take much to manufacture, but adds a lot of fun factor of just flipping them up. It's just fun to flip his little guns up. Yeah. Funny enough, Aaron, in the European release, he has a gun flip-up fashion, but it's not two arms to either side, but he takes the gun across his body, like diagonally. So it kind of like smacking them. the guy. Back, that's I like that too. They're both good. Uh, it is far more reliable at knocking the pieces down uh, because uh, it, 
if uh, you watch the footage, at one point, I'm trying to shoot a guy, and my little arms just go up on either side of him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so that's not an issue with the, the European release. Of course, it seems the, like that'd break easier, too, to me. Uh, No, it's so, it's a huge hunk of plastic. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's a huge hunk of plastic. Also, the pieces in the European release uh, are more form-cut, whereas the, the American release has all rounded rectangles for pieces. They are more die-cut in the shape of robots, so they have a little head section and then a wider body section and then a narrower feet section. It has that for all the characters. Um, I think the rest of the European, yeah, the, it was the box and the pieces and the action, the, the motion mechanic of the game. Uh, outside of that, everything's the same. Do I think this is going to, you know, win the next Spiel des Jahres? No, of course not. I mean, but I think for a two-player game, I would rather play this than Pac-Man. I think Pac-Man would be more fun with four people, and obviously you can't play four people in Berserk, um, but I think it would be more fun. This was way more fun as a two-player game than Pac-Man was as a two-player game. Oh, I I just remember the other difference. The European version, you start with five lives, where the American version, you only start with three. So the uh, the American version is harder than the European version. These strange little games. It's strange little tweaks to the games that, that are different versions that I find very fascinating. Yeah. I, I like the artistic liberty they took when, when they rendered these guys. They did a good job of keeping the arcade aesthetic with the border and also flushing them out, which I like. I should mention, this one I actually have the designer's names on, believe it or not. Uh, this was it just, does have designer names. Yeah. Wow. This was designed by, according to game, Board Game Geek, uh, Jeffrey uh, Breeslow, Michael Ferris, and Paul Wise uh, worked on this game. A fun game. I enjoyed it. Uh, if you wanted to pick this up, <clears throat> I saw this on eBay, and 14 15 bucks going complete in box. They're, now, you're, they're not, you're not going to see as many of these as you would a Pac-Man, uh, but they're out there. Uh, if if it's something that interests you, and uh, you know one thing about these board games, you know we've got an arcade, the brand. I don't, you may have heard. And one thing <laughs> about these games, you can sort of box these up, and these could be sort of like nice wall uh, dressing if you yeah. wanted. I find the uh, the American uh, box art, for example, in Berserk, to be really attractive. It's just it's, and plus they always use as much as the of the arcade aesthetic as they can when they show you the covers of these things, and so it makes it nice. Not the worst idea for some decoration, uh, Brent, if you could find these in good shape. Of course, these old Milton Br- Bradley games and a lot of board games, just they, uh, the boxes get mauled. Our Pac-Man box is <laughs> completely mauled. The Berserk box is in good shape. So just a thought, something you might want to do. Brent, to take this thing to the house here on uh, video game board games, what do you think about this? Is this, is this something that uh, we should come back to in the future? I would love to take a look at uh, Jungle Hunt, as yeah. the board game Jungle Hunt. It looks so ridiculously stupid and reviewed so poorly, I'm yeah. desperate to play it. And I can find no video footage of it. So, yeah, I mean, this will eventually find its way back on the wheels, a retro rewind. Uh, if the we- if the wheel so bees it, we will come back this way. And, and we'll, you know... If we do, we'll purchase some new games to give this a run. I'm not gonna lie. I looked over this list, and I wanted so many of these. <laughs> you know, and the thing is, I know I've played some of these. Like, I think I actually have played Turbo, for example. I've, I know I've played some of these, and so I I have to say, this was an eye opener, and it reminded me uh, of a day that I lost when I was a kid playing these old games. I mean, like you said, they're not the best, but they're a lot of fun. And that's the way I would summarize this show in general, and certainly this next part of the show, <laughs> which is the wheel. Let's get to it, the Brent. Now, absolutely, we've got two new pieces on the wheel this week, the Brent. Uh, if I may uh, show you what they are, the retro rewind piece. The, we're going back to the Odyssey two, Brent. We haven't, we haven't done oh, that. Oh, hey, a while. we can play and, board game on that. Yeah, and the new piece. I'm not gonna lie to you. I've never heard of this thing. Uh, in fact, it's so obscure. I've got to find it on here. Here it is. 
It's the uh, Acetronic MPU 1000 from Hermski suggested this. You ever heard of that one? Nopers? <laughs> no one's heard of that. That's why. You ever, yeah, look at this wheel. Do you have a thought on this? Burger time. It's it's burger based game time, oh, Aaron. Oh my god. Are you kidding me? All right, here we go. Oh, yeah. I want to make sure. There we go. And the winner is. Look at that. Oh, Odyssey it's Retro Rewind. Retro Rewind piece. So we're going to go back. Uh, speaking of our youth, the Brent, we're going back, back, way back to the Odyssey 2. Um, yes. I'm all it. for this. I got one sitting over here with a keyboard that doesn't work, but by God, I can still play all the games. Uh, you know, we both are very familiar with the Odyssey 2. That's the Magnavox Odyssey 2 from the early 80s. It was the very first uh, video game that we ever had here at the house, uh, and we had a lot of fun with it. So that should be a lot of fun to Brent. Anything, any special rules? This is going to be free, free pick this time around. It, it, it's a free-for-all. Obviously, we can't do games we've done before, but outside of that, it's it's wide open. Yeah, I should mention that. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up, Mitsuyama. This is also known in Europe as the Video Pack uh, system. Uh, so if you're familiar with that, it's the same thing. That'll be a lot of fun, uh, the Brent. Um, any any parting shots? Any any news? Anything you want to say here before we take this thing to the house? Uh, you know, I I want to real quick. I know we have we thank our supporters at the end of it, every video, but I really want to uh, reiterate how much our supporters mean to us. Uh, they really some days this show's tough to get up and do, uh, but I always feel like. Uh, uh, I know the supporters are out there wanting a new episode, want to hear what we have to say, and that that really motivates you to keep going. So very good, big very thumbs good. up to them. I want to thank that we've got a big old crowd uh, here today. I'm stunned, frankly, if you want to be honest. <laughs> uh, if, I'm stunned. <laughs> I do want to say that if you're interested in seeing these games mostly played correctly, uh, you can head over to our Twitch channel, Amigos Richard Gaming Twitch channel, uh, right here where you're watching this show live. Uh, if you're watching live. And we did a playthrough of both games, and we streamed it on Twitch. And it's available to go watch right now. So it's a nice companion piece, since you've heard us talk about the game, to actually watch us play it. I mean, it was uh, we kind of threw the camera work together, but it turned out pretty good. And if, uh, if it's something you like. And hey, if you'd like more board game coverage, holla at your boy. We both love board games, and we might do some kind of separate gimmick occasionally. That might be kind of fun uh, to do. But, oh, you know, I meant to ask you, do either one of these games have a presence on the virtual board game software you use on Steam? Oh, I'm sure they do. Really? I'm uh, sure they do. I if wonder not, if they a would lot be... of those that are in there, the old uh, arcade, we should look into that. That might be kind of something, an update for future reference. Yeah. Look into, cause that, what is that? What's the exact name of that software, Brent? Tabletop Simulator. Tabletop Simulator. Uh, we This is the same software we used for VCR games uh, uh, a month or so ago, and it worked great. I was real impressed, and it's what was the name of that VCR game? Do you recall? Because it had like every version of that game available on there to play, uh, and you could play it for free. It was a lot of fun. It, it worked surprisingly Nightmare. well. Nightmare, yeah. So there you go. So I think we'll just take it to the house right there. Thanks, again, everybody. Uh, we will be back next week to have a good hard look at the O2, the Odyssey Two slash Video Pack. Until then, have a good week. Wonga, 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 wonga. Thanks for joining us today. Special thanks to Duncan Styles for our vector style graphic and Bart Bit for our amazing music. Would you like to help keep ARG spinning? You can do so at patreon.com slash ARG presents. Just like these fine folks. Mario Ramey, Z9K9, Jerry Dennington, John Dykeman, Retroalgy, Airshack, Texas Foosballer, Sundown, Orom, Super Tech Boy, David Terrence, Mr. B, Roushie, Graham, W. Vetke, Dave Velociraptor, Bernhard Lucas, Steve Rathmussen, Anthony Jarvis, Bitter Blitter, Pajaco6502, Kevin Bean, Andy Jones, Andy Craig, Rob Black O'Hara, Jason Warrens, Mitsuyama, Chris Foles, Frodo and L. The John Schaller. The On Collective, Gary Heather, Terry Howard, Olaf Hope, and Rollo. You can join us live every Sunday, 10 a.m. EDT, on Twitch. Hope to see you there.